It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Tyson Bagent brought us hope, fun, and excitement in a season that was desperate for it. And most importantly, he brought on Victory Monday. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you're keeping up with all of our daily Bears talk. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. On the show today, we dive into Tyson Bajan's first career start, first career win, first career touchdown pass, a lot of firsts for the undrafted rookie quarterback against the Las Vegas Raiders in what was a very well-executed, smart game from Bajent. And honestly, you got to give some credit to Luke Getze and the Bears offensive coaching staff, but also the receivers, the running backs, and the offensive line as well. It was a it was certainly a team victory all around because this defense did a great job against Brian Hoyer and the Las Vegas Raiders. Jalen Johnson with a couple of interceptions. Termaine Edmonds got one too. We'll get into some strong showings from this defense as well that continues to get better as this season goes on. And we'll wrap up with a look towards what's next, including this offensive line that seemed like maybe they've found a good combination here, left to right, at least knowing that the left tackle maybe still be temporary, but at least on the interior, things starting to settle down a little bit there. But the Bears settled in with Tyson Bagent early. Matt Eberflus deciding to receive the opening kick and drive down to start the game with, with the ball and certainly didn't go anywhere on the first drive per se. You know, the bubble screen and a blown up run and a, a drop pass and a punt. But it was that second drive where things got rolling. But, you know, at least he got the he got the nerves out on that first drive. And then things were rolling there quickly for Bajent. And it ends up driving down for a touchdown where Foreman punches it in. And things are all of a sudden off to the races. And for Tyson, it was a really efficient, effective performance. Taking care of the ball, being smart, feeling the pocket, knowing when you could hang in there, when you needed to leave finding the checkdowns, getting the ball into your players' hands and let them do the damage after the catch. Let your playmakers make plays. Bajan didn't need to be the hero in this game. He didn't need to be Superman. He didn't need to throw these big downfield deep bomb passes. He just needed to empower his teammates to go out there and make the plays that they needed to make in order to win this game. Certainly, you got to give a lot of credit to the running game. You know, Dante Foreman averaged 5.6 yards per carry, had almost 90 yards rushing. Darrington Evans 
wasn't too bad behind him either. Maybe a little less success, but Foreman was running hard and breaking tackles and really churning this offense. And Evans was a nice sort of change of pace speed thing. They had a couple of jet sweeps there to what Tyler Scott and Mooney. And I think DJ Moore got one as well. Like the Bears were establishing things up front, running the ball and getting Tyson Bajant into, you know, it was third and two, third and three, third and four, these third and very manageable situations to where you're not asking him on third and 10 or third and 12 to have to throw a big downfield pass past the sticks. I mean, you look at Bajan's quarterback charting, you know, where he threw the ball from, from next-gen stats, and you can see he attempted one pass of 15 or more yards downfield. He completed it. It was a deep one on the sideline. I think it was one of the plays where he got flushed out of the pocket and somehow found, I don't know if it was Moore or Mooney, down on the right side of the field. And, and that was a really nice play towards that sideline. But other than that, like, it wasn't like he was loading up and firing downfield. It was a lot of quick outs to each sideline. It was check downs to back in the backfield. A couple of nice plays over the middle of the field. There was a dig route to Tyler Scott that I thought was really impressive. But for the most part, you know, it wasn't like dynamic A++ plus plus, you know, playmaking highlight reel quarterbacking. It was game managing, but like in a good way. It was playing point guard, right? Not not Damian Lillard point guard where you're pulling up from 3, but like I don't know, like healthy, like prime Chris Paul point guard, right? Where you're the distributor, you're getting a triple double. You're not shooting a bunch, you're not scoring a bunch, but you're setting up your teammates and your teammates are doing their job. And it was really effective against a Raiders defense that struggles to tackle, right? Just give your guys the ball and let them make a couple guys miss because that happens all over with this Raiders defense. But, you know, it's 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 this sort of balance of like Bajent did a great job doing everything they asked of him and not trying not trying to do too much. And the Bears did a good job of making sure that Bajan didn't need to do too much. You know, the defense giving him the ball back quite often. Some turnovers, some extra possessions as well. The running game doing a lot of the damage for them. I mean, he only finished with 162 yards. The, the Raiders had more passing than the Bears did in this game. The Bears just ran the ball so much better than they did. So you know, it wasn't like Bajan lit it up. You're not going to see Bajan with a, a, you know, a super, super high PFF grade, for example, but like he did the job and that's, that's all you can ask him to do. It was enough to get the victory. There's some questions as to then, okay, what's the ceiling here, right? Because I, I don't think we're in a position right after one game, even in a win to start having the should Bajan start over Justin Fields conversation, because I mean, you saw it at the end of the first half, they took Bajan out to have Nathan Peterman come in to try the Hail Mary attempt. It was obviously disastrous, but they don't see Bajant having the arm strength and the power to drive the ball super far downfield like that. Like he has some limitations at this stage of his career. And that worked just fine against a team like the Raiders. That was also very lacking in the opposing quarterback department there. Their offense was very ineffective throughout the course of this game. Again, credit to some of the Bears defense there as well. But it wasn't like Bajant was playing from behind and needed to pass through some of these situations. He could take it easy and just let the game come to him. And it was a great position to put an undrafted rookie quarterback in. And he did a great job of making the most out of that situation. I just think we can also have, like, we can celebrate Tyson Bajant and have fun with a victory Monday today and feel like he's exciting and takes care of the ball and is decisive with good anticipation and good pocket presence and also not get too carried away and crown him as the next Brock Purdy. I, I think there's another handful of layers and steps before you get to that point. I'm not going to put the cap on Bajant right away and say, oh, he'll never be X, Y, he'll never be a starter in the NFL or never, he'll never be blank. No, but let's not get carried away either. Let's enjoy it for what it was. It was at best, or, I mean, I think, I think we can firmly say he looks like a very encouraging 
backup quarterback for a long time. Like that, that, that I feel like we know for sure. Perhaps it could be more, but it feels like he's established this baseline of like, yeah, this is a guy who, when your starter is hurt, he can come in, take care of the ball, and operate your offense quickly and effectively. That's worth something. It's worth perhaps a lot. But let's also not get too carried away and start, again, running away with him as the future or anything of the quarterback position in Chicago. Let's start with one game at a time and celebrate this Las Vegas Raiders win. Let's also make sure we give proper credit to this Chicago Bears defense that continues to play better and better over the last couple of games, albeit against low-quality quarterbacks and generally low-quality offenses. But again, we need to celebrate what they've been able to do in this game, particularly a guy like Jalen Johnson with a big coming-out party in this one, next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors eBay Motors is teaming up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy football picks each week all season long. Whether you're doing daily fantasy or you're scouting the waiver wire for your season-long team, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny's picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. New Orleans Saints quarterback Derek Carr hasn't had the most promising start to the season in reality or fantasy football with new wide receivers and a new offense down there, but there's a path for Carr to put up some pleasing starting numbers in Week 8 against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts have been pretty good against the run this season, but their secondary isn't the strongest, and their pass rush is pretty inconsistent. And so with guys like Chris Olave and Michael Thomas able to win maybe some easier matchups this coming week against the Colts, Carr could have his best day of downfield passing, adding up to a sneaky good start in fantasy football, either as a deep league streamer or certainly for daily fantasy football tournament play. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same thing is true for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. We're talking brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your vehicle needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride for the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, you're going to find great prices all the time at eBay Motors. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tyson Bajan deserves plenty of credit, and he is, of course, the big story from this Bears-Raiders game. No one knew exactly what we'd get, and certainly the Raiders looked at him as a vulnerable option. People were making fun of the Bears for starting a rookie Division II quarterback, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But all of that much-deserved excitement about Bajan overlooks what was another really strong game by this Chicago Bears defense, essentially holding them to six points until a, a garbage time touchdown from Aiden O'Connell with what was it less than a, less than two minutes left in the game. Like I'll give I will credit the Raiders offense for the two field goals that they scored in the second quarter and and early in the fourth quarter. Like those were not quite full full garbage time. Relatively still close to you know game action going on there. But that last touchdown again, I don't want to like ignore it, but at the same time. Backup quarterback, some backups in the game across the board, like not anything. I'm so I, to me this this Bears starting defense gave up six points in this game, and really even twelve is still a really strong performance. And it was across the board. I think a couple things, and it was a lot of what we talked about 
on Friday's Game Plan podcast for what the Chicago Bears needed to do to win this game, right? It was make Tyson Bajan's job easy, make the Raiders' quarterback job difficult. We talked a lot about Aiden O'Connell. They ended up starting Brian Hoyer, but a lot of the same points still applied here, right? For the Bears and Bajan, it was run the ball really effectively, get the ball in your receiver's hands, let them make plays after the catch, and don't ask Bajan to do too much. Accomplished mission success. For the Raiders, it was shut down their running game, don't let their quarterback have an easy time back there, Try and blitz him and get some pressure. That one they didn't quite do so well. but And just know that he's going to throw to Devontae Adams over and over again. So get all over him and make the other wide receivers beat you. And I'll say it, Devontae Adams had, what was it, five, six catches in the first quarter and won the rest of the game? I mean, it was really early and often they were trying to get the ball to him. And they were having some success. But then the Bears started pressing on Adams a little bit more. So he had He had five catches for 48 yards in the first quarter. The rest of the game, he would have then had two catches for nine yards would be the math on what Devontae Adams had after the first quarter. Like the Bears got physical, certainly in the, in the, on the back end in the secondary, got aggressive and, and covered him a lot more tough. But also Brian Hoyer just was inaccurate uh, far too much. Like he was just not a very good quarterback. Like he, Brian Hoyer is Brian Hoyer at this stage of the process. So by all accounts, a good person, a good backup, a good coach on the sideline. Not a great quarterback. There's a reason why this is the eighth team he was starting for in this game. But like some of this was just him missing guys. Some of it was him staring down receivers was a big part of this for this Bears defense to be able to be aggressive and go get it. But a lot of it, too, was like guys like Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson being built that way. Right. Like these are corners that like to be physical, that like to get up on receivers. And even if you're not always jamming at the line of scrimmage, although I still want to see even more of that, like you're still you're physical on your coverage downfield. You're not letting him get in and out of his breaks super cleanly. Now, as a result, you saw Jalen Johnson got an illegal contact penalty. I think two, no, he got an illegal contact penalty and a defensive pass interference on a big deep bomb. And then Tyreek Stevenson was also hit with a pass interference penalty on the first few goal drive that I remember. That's the one where he was barely touching the guy's back and they threw the flag. And they were, so like, not that the flags were, perfectly deserved because I think a couple of those were pretty ticky tacky quick quick and loose with the flags there from the referees on some of those downfield penalties but like to some extent I'll take it you know if 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 the end result is we are limiting Devontae Adams to two catches over the final three quarters and you're making them throw to Jacoby Myers to try and beat you over the course of this game and even Renfro wasn't able to do that much Austin Hooper you know Trey Tucker is guys that you just if those guys can beat you up and down the field, congratulations. You beat us with 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 guys that we weren't particularly scared of. But the way that they could take Devontae Adams into the game, like I'll take a couple of penalties if it means physical coverage making Brian Hoyer try tough throws and throw a pick six right in the arms of Jalen Johnson. I mean, the first pick was dropped by Josh Jacobs and tipped up and a nice diving catch by Tremaine Edmonds to be the right place, right time. That one wasn't like bad Hoyer, but the pick six sure was. I mean, right, it's dropping back, staring down the comeback route to, I think Adams might've been the intended receiver there. And Johnson was all over it and jumped it because he knows like Hoyer's not going to be the deep bomb type of quarterback in this game either. So that when a receiver starts running at you vertical, he kind of knows in his head, like I don't need to be too worried about the vertical shot. Like I know the pass interference play was one that I think was a vertical shot to Trey Tucker, but he underthrew it so bad that that's what led to the pass interference. Like right? Tucker had to slow down for it, and Jalen like put his hands up and kind of ran into him, and then they threw the flag. But then you know, as a corner, I don't need to be worried about these guys blowing by me. 
Because even if they start to get past me, the quarterback is not going to be able to hit them in stride. And so it made it easier for them to be a more aggressive defense against a quarterback that really doesn't scare you. Plus, ton of credit to this defensive line and linebackers for just shutting down Josh Jacobs in this whole running game. And then they were behind on the scoreboard because the offense was doing well enough that Hoyer had to pass. And they couldn't just sit back and try and make this running game work. And so it really felt like a good complimentary football win. And it's it's important that while Bajent is certainly the story and the, some, the main thing to start with and focus on, that we, we appreciate the compliment on the other side of the defense, putting up six points of its own and also gifting a couple of extra possessions to the offense along the way to make it easier for... Tyson Bajan, and also a good field position for Bajan. But then, you know, in good time of possession as well, kept the defense fresh. Like there's sort of the the back and forth symbiotic relationship to offense playing well and playing efficiently, defense playing well, generating turnovers. Like that's what it's supposed to look like really for four quarters. Like this felt like the first four quarter victory for the Chicago Bears. Even when they beat the Commanders, you felt it slip away a little bit in the second half there. And we start to get those like butterfly in your stomach, like, Oh no, here we go again. It's, it's going to be a Broncos game collapse all over again, but no, then they held on in the fourth quarter and you kind of wipe the sweat off your Bronco. Whew, like we got it. Raiders game was no first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Bajent was in control. This defense was making plays. That's what it's supposed to look like. And that's where you could feel good about this team moving forward. The chargers next week are not going to be, a walk in the park, but there should be some real opportunities for this Chicago Bears offense in this game. We're not going to go full Bears Chargers preview or anything, but I do want to take a look at where things go from here with Bajent and this defense and expectations from this point. And also the offensive line having a brand new combination and seemingly playing better. We won't say, I don't know if I can say, did they play well? They ran block, they run block well, but we'll get into evaluating this offense, offensive line performance next on Locked on Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And right now is a great time to get in with FanDuel if you haven't before, because all you have to do is place a $5 bet on anything, and FanDuel is going to add $200 of bonus bets to your account. Whether your bet wins or loses, you're still going to get 200 bonus dollars. So if your bet If your bet's correct, you win your winnings, great, and they add 200 on top of that. If your bet is wrong, no problem. Here's $200 more into your account to bet on anything you want in FanDuel. Right now, the, the early line for Bears at Chargers on FanDuel, the Chargers are 9.5-point favorites. The Bears' upset money line is plus 360, and the over-under is set at 45. Like I, I know the Chargers are a decent team, but like off of this momentum against with Bajent against the Raiders, like I feel like a 9.5-point spread is not going to be too hard for the Chicago Bears to cover in that game. And if you like those odds, FanDuel is going to be the place to do it. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get your $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We were worried how 
a new offensive line combination would go this week against the Raiders, knowing that the Raiders' defensive line is not great outside of Max Crosby, but still, you got Jenkins moving back to right guard, Whitehair moving back to left guard, Lucas Patrick back at center, and then an injured Darnell Wright playing through it, and a struggling Larry Borum when you don't really have any other option at left tackle. So that's kind of what you're dealing with with an undrafted rookie quarterback with now essentially all three interior guys moved to new spots and a backup at left tackle and an injury at right tackle. Like, not an ideal offensive line situation. And yet, they certainly were great run blocking. Like, they created some nice space for Foreman and Evans. I, I mean, it, it was it was not like it was giant holes that those guys were running through all day, but it was enough, right? They got the job done in the running game. I think it was for you. Like, you can see... The difference between the backs and the O-lines, I think, in the production from Foreman's and Evans. Like, Evans did a really good job of taking every yard the offensive line would give him. He's got pretty good speed and he's shifty. He can he can fill that space that they create for him. But Evans wasn't didn't do a lot to, like, break a ton of tackles and create extra yards after contact. And so, like, I, I'm curious to see how the numbers come out from the PFF charting of the running game. But Evans got 3.4 yards per carry which is like what felt like that's kind of what the offensive line was giving him. And he would take every yard that they gave him. And that's that's important, right, for the running back to go where the offensive line dictates and, and squeeze out every yard that they're giving you. Foreman was able to lower the shoulder a little more, run a little harder, run over guys, bounce off guys, and create some extra yards after contact. And that's why he was up to five and a half yards per carry. So like he was able to create an extra two yards per carry than Evans, 5.6 versus 3.4. And I think... That extra two yards per carry was like, it's oversimplification here of the math, but like was basically like that was the the hard running that Foreman did on average to like earn those extra two yards. Like the O-line was giving you three and a half, Foreman was giving you five and it, like was giving you two, two more extra beyond what the offensive line was giving you. And so like that's a pretty good offensive line performance. It's got to be a combination, right? It can't just be take what the O-line gives you or else you're not going to get everywhere. The O-line can't clear everything for you. The back's got to add a little bit more to the repertoire for him. And that's what Foreman was able to do and how you had a running game that worked very effectively overall. Pass protection, I, I don't know, it felt up and down to me. It seemed like as the game went on, Bajent was flushed out of the pocket a lot more. You know, first half, he could kind of go through his, his, his drop back, hitch, step up in the pocket or maybe around a pass rusher and then throw. And it seemed like generally there was a bit more rhythm at that point. And then second half, it felt like when they were going to the passing game, there was more of that Max Crosby pressure. I know he got sacked at least once in that game. And it felt like things were breaking down on the offensive line a little bit more just anecdotally. I'm, I'm curious to kind of go back through the film and see how they held up. So it wasn't it wasn't perfect. There were some growing pains and, and adjusting to new guys next to you at new spots on the O-line. But anyway, it seemed like guys were able to settle in a little bit more. And maybe that's where Tevin Jenkins is most comfortable. And maybe that's where Cody Whitehair is most comfortable. And maybe that's where Lucas Patrick is most comfortable. And maybe that's the right combination for where your offensive line sits right now. With the, with the exception of Larry Borm at left tackle, where it's a struggle and there's some false starts and some holds and you don't have a better backup left tackle on the roster right now. And I don't know if you're going to find a better one on the street right now, but you really hope Braxton Jones can come back soon. But you don't know if he's going to make it back at all this season. So maybe you just got to live with the Larry Borum experience and the ups and downs of Darnell Wright on the right side. He left the game and Jatari Carter replaced him at right tackle later on. I don't know exactly what happened there, but it feels like this is a good spot for that line to be in. And now you try and gel this group and hope they can stay healthy where they are right now. Because if that group can continue in pass protection and, and gelling a little bit more against a, a Chargers team that's coming into town with former Chicago Bear Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa as well, and 
We've seen those guys have some big games this season. There's going to be a bigger test this week, and so you're going to need that offensive line to play well. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious how this is going to go against the Chargers because the Chargers' defense has been really bad this season under Brandon Staley, but their offense continues to put up a decent amount of points. They continue to, to score fairly well. It's not like they're getting in shootouts every single week, but they're able to get Justin Herbert rolling, and they've got downfield passing, and, and this Bears defense has played very, very well over the last couple of games, but the last couple of games have been against Brian Hoyer in a bad Raiders offense, against Kirk Cousins, but without Justin Jefferson, didn't really have weapons to throw to, against Sam Howell, whose commander's offense is, is abysmal right now, and they've really been struggling the last couple of games here, and they get sacked all the time, and there's a lot of weaknesses there. And then, you know, Russell Wilson and the Broncos have been really kind of iffy here and there too. So like, it's not like the Bears have gone up against a high-flying offense, and the Chargers represent a little bit more of a threat in that regard. They're top 10 in scoring this season. I know like it hasn't always been 40 points a game. In the last couple of games against a good Cowboys and a good Chiefs defense, I think they scored 17 in each of those games, but they scare you a little bit more, the Chargers do, offensively than defensively. So Bajant next week should be going into a pretty favorable matchup against a team that's given up a lot of points this season and made it a little bit too easy for opposing offenses, especially to move the ball. They're like 31st in yards and 23rd in points. So in theory, Bajant should be able to get rid of the ball quickly and get some things going offensively, and then we'll see how this Bears defense does with you know, a bigger a bigger step up in challenge, but they're playing confident right now. They're, they're doing well because, I, I don't know, I'm I'm curious how it goes when, you know, even against the Raiders, there wasn't much of a pass rush on Brian Hoyer. They, they got to him eventually on a, when, when Justin Jones got into him and, and hit him down, but it wasn't a consistent pressure there. He just wasn't very good. Justin Herbert is a better, much better quarterback than Brian Hoyer. I know he's had some struggles this season too, but you know, if you can't get pass rush against a better offense, is that going to start causing some problems for your defense? Do you get in a shootout mode and then now you're either losing on the scoreboard or tied and you need Bajant to have to do a little bit more and have to make some more difficult throws and have to be more of the hero and less of the point guard? And then what happens, right? That's what that's what I'm really curious to watch moving forward from this game with Bajan and company. We've seen the high floor. We trust the floor with Bajan. Like there's a base level of like, he's going to be able to do this. What will happen if slash when he needs to do more? How much more can he do beyond what they asked him to do in this game? I give him a ton of credit for what he did in this game. And he can potentially do more. There's a chance he can. We haven't seen it yet but he maybe he hasn't been asked to do a lot more yet. I guess we saw at the end of the Vikings game trying to push the ball downfield, underthrown and intercepted, but right, that, that's what the next test is going to be. And that's where, you know, I again want to like celebrate Bajit, but don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. Like, let's see what happens against the Chargers the following week. And then, you know, things start to get a little bit tricky from there with the Saints, which are another really quality opponent. And then, well, you know, then things get easier against the Panthers. But at some point, Justin Fields will be healthy in that stretch and two to three weeks sounds like is the window for fields. So Bajit may only get one more game, two more games. We'll see exactly how long fields is out. But Matt Eberflus reiterated, Justin is our starter. Tyson is our backup. And that's the way it should be for now, right? Let's see what Bajit does the rest of the way. Let's see how fields looks when he gets back. Cause I just have a feeling if Justin Fields had played against the Raiders today, it might not have looked exactly the same, but I think they probably still win the game. And I think he puts up a pretty good game against the Raiders, the same way we saw Fields have put up a really good game against the Broncos and the Commanders. Like, we've seen him play well this season. It wasn't like Bajan was the first Bears quarterback to have a big game against a bad defense. I think Fields would have, too, perhaps in a slightly different way. And we will never know because of the injury, but all of a sudden, when the quality of opponent starts to get better again, 
maybe the quality of quarterback play is going to go back down, but uh, make sure we're correlating like what the quarterbacks have been asked to do versus the opponents that they've been asked to do it against. And we'll see how that bears out here over the next couple of weeks. Again, better offensive line and better defensive play will make either quarterback's job a lot easier whenever Justin Fields gets back. And we'll keep close tabs on Fields' injury, Bajan's progress, and the O-line and the defense and everything you need for this Chicago Bears team right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Really appreciate you making us your first listen today and hopefully every single day. Coming back tomorrow as we review some of the film from the game and go a little bit more in-depth on Bajent on this offensive line and what was and wasn't working for this Bears defense and so much more. And then before you know it, we'll be previewing Bears Chargers with Locked On Chargers on Crossover Thursday, putting together a game plan on Friday. I mean, we got goodies for you five days a week. And each and every day, I always make sure that you have another opportunity, especially today on a Victory Monday, to bear down. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.